the workforce is, is getting younger by by the year, and there's there's a, a lot of a lot of young people coming into the workforce, and they've been you know Generation Z has been brought up on consumer grade applications. Uh, they've grown up on on Twitter, on, on on Facebook, on Uber, and when when they're communicating, they expect to be communicated with in in that sort of form factor, and so email feels pretty outdated to them and doesn't feel like like a way in which they're, they're used to communicating it. The word of the day is communication. I'm Rob Lawrence and this is EMS One Stop. Welcome to another edition of EMS One Stop. We're going to talk about talking today. We're going to talk about how we communicate with people. As we all know, as you can all see from the national news, uh, we are about to hit another peak uh, of this virus. We are about to see Omicron go to the top. Whilst it may not be as severe in terms of the, the outcome, if you like, it is severe in terms of the toll that it's taking on our staffing. It presents a challenge for any leader. It presents a challenge for anybody, actually and how we communicate with them. And so today we're going to talk about how we communicate with our staff and with people in general. And to help me do that, I'm going to introduce uh, Ron Quaronto and George Monk. And so, gentlemen, welcome. And so please give us a little bit of your background, starting off with our guest from across the Atlantic, George Monk. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Rob. Uh, very surreal and very pleased to be here. Uh, so I, I, I work for Blink, as you mentioned, and, and some of your listeners may have heard my voice on the mid, mid-session interval in, in the advert there. tones doing the interviews, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I essentially am, am in the business development part of Blink and working specifically very closely with our, a lot of our EMS customers across the US. And so I've sort of become a, a small part of this family over the past sort of year and a half, which has been which has been great. And I've been welcomed with open arms. Excellent. Now, this is one of those podcasts first because we've got two Brits and one person from the uh, the Massachusetts, New England area. And of course, uh, we haven't got over the tea in the harbour, Ron, just so you know. So uh, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, thanks. Great. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, Ron Caranto. Um, I'm the Executive Vice President of Operations for Cataldo Ambulance Service. Uh, privately owned and operated uh, ambulance service here in Boston, Massachusetts. We're made up of about 850 employees. Uh, with the largest 911 provider here in, the, in Massachusetts, servicing uh, 20 municipal contracts. Great to be here. Excited to talk about uh, communicating with the, with the staff. Now, we also sit next to each other, for full disclosure, at uh, various AAA boards. So what do you do for the American Ambulance Association as well? I am uh, vice chair, co-chair of the Workforce Committee, uh, which is a hot topic these days, uh, and as well as uh, recently re-elected to the board, representing Region 1, uh, New England states. So workforce, that cunningly segues into really where I want to start. And uh, if I can just sum up what I think the national picture is at the moment is we are hurting for people and our people are hurting um, in terms of recruitment, retention, uh, just trying to, you know, for the folk that are on the trucks out there right now, they are going through a hell of a time. Keeping folk on the trucks and keeping them safe, both physically and indeed mentally, is a challenge. How is it going for you up there in the Northeast? Well, you, you said it. Uh, staffing's been uh, a real challenge in our industry across the country. Um, it started prior to the pandemic, but this pandemic has certainly uh, uh, made the situation that much worse. People are tired. They're afraid. They don't want to be exposed 
uh, the family, so forth and so on. So I say often uh, we talk about recruitment and retention. The word should be reversed. It's really retention and recruitment. Well said. Um, how do we do a better job uh, retaining the staff that we have? I'm a big believer. Uh, I do a lot of communicating with our, our employees. I think keeping them in the know um, is really important. And with this new technology, Blink, it's given us that ability to real time uh, communicate with them. Our workforce uh, don't sit in an office. Their office is a, a street corner in an ambulance. And they, you know, they need, they use their phones. They use their handheld devices and to be able to, on an app, um, see real-time communication from the office uh, has proven to be extremely valuable. And, you know, as you said, with the pandemic, uh, messaging and out, messaging out uh, reminders about PPE and making sure they stay safe uh, and, and comply with policy and regulation, but then general updates as well. It's important to us. I'm, I'm glad you you mentioned R and R retention first versus recruitment. And uh, for those that are listening, go and check out the EMS one article from Carly Alley from over there in Riggs in California on you know what is the size of your budget recruiting versus retaining. And I we suggest that it's the wrong wrong way around. And so refer to that in terms of staff that are off sick, that are in quarantine, that are in isolation. I mean, how are you managing that, Ron? So our designated infection control officer has done uh, an amazing job uh, managing the folks. We also here in Massachusetts have been uh, leaned on heavily by the state to assist with uh, mass vaccinations as well as testing. So we have access to both. Uh, We have chosen as an organization to uh, require vaccinations and we've been successful with that. But we are making testing available, whether it's rapid or PCR tests to our staff. Again, constant communication. Um, if they get exposed, they're to notify us immediately. If they show signs and symptoms, notify us immediately. We'll go through the appropriate testing, uh, required mask wearing, and uh, distancing as much as necessary. Trying to balance keeping people in the workforce, but yet being respectful to their health and well-being. You mentioned mandates. Uh, for those that are listening, we're recording this last Friday, so we're in the past talking to you in the future. But today, of course, the High Court is hearing the oral arguments about the 25 states that have appealed the vaccine mandates. So by the time you listen to this, things may well have changed or things may well have restored to where the government wanted to have them. So, uh, you know, we are just a little bit too early for that. But uh, I suspect by the time you listen to this, things will have changed. How many folk, dare I ask, are have some sort of exemption and how are you managing that? Because that's a good HR issue and, and they're one that you probably have to communicate a lot about. Yeah, for us, again, about 850 employees, we probably saw initially something in the range of 20 to 20 requests. Those were pretty well divided between medical and religious. We consulted uh, outside legal uh, counsel as well as our medical director. Um, So we we stayed clear of it and let the outside experts uh, meet with the individuals one-on-one and talk through it. That probably brought the number down to about a dozen. And we were very respectful for the medical requests. We honored what we could based on the medical director's uh, advice. And those individuals are required to mask and test on a regular basis. And then we followed HR's direction in the legal outside counsel on the religious request. Those are wise words, Ron. And perhaps our first takeaway point from the podcast is that with these uh, exemptions, there are technical, professional, qualified experts that can assist you through the process. 
Um, you know, it's not down to the soup on the truck and perhaps it's not even down to the guy in the corner office. There are folks that have and can exercise professional opinions to help you um, and also help the provider and help the person that uh, is going through that uh, that process, that interactive process, let's say. And I will tell you that uh, after those uh, conversations, whether it were medical or religious requests, many of the individuals uh, opted in and ended up vaccinating. So that was a, it was a good exercise um, because, you know, although people have rights, we respect that. We want them to be safe and protected. And uh, I think they acknowledged that and appreciated that. Excellent. Let's go across the Atlantic to you, George. First of all, the general situation. We've been following here in the US what's been happening in South Africa. We've seen it's a straight up and almost a straight down in terms of this particular variant. Um, we also then switch our eyes across to the UK and to see what's happening in the United Kingdom, except it doesn't seem united because England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales all have separate rules, regulations, can-dos, can't-dos. But you're a couple of weeks ahead of us, if not two or three weeks ahead of us in terms of this particular variant. How's it looking over there? It's been it's been a scary few few months really coming up coming up to Christmas. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of worry from from the whole of the country, and you know we're now at a consistent case level of, of above one hundred and fifty thousand a day at this point. Um, we've got a bit of a staffing crisis going on, particularly across the National Health Service and across their trusts. This come out today that, that the government are looking to deploy some some military folk to try and help out in those areas. We haven't yet reached that inflection point that, that as you mentioned, that, that South Africa have done. And so at the moment, we're still fighting our way through it. As, as, as Ron was talking about, the staffing, staffing shortages are being felt all over the health system and trying to find a way through it. It's almost like watching the crystal ball or watching a little bit of the future to see because everything that's happened in the UK, staffing, you know, recruiting, wall time, ambulance patient offload time, ramp time, whatever you want to call it. Of course, every country and every state has a different name for it. You're seeing that in the UK as well. So, you know, there goes us. I'm in California. We're starting to see eight, nine hours worth of uh, ambulance delay, hospital wall time. Um, we've been all over the LA press this last couple of days talking about you know, the effect it's having on the staff and the patient on the ability to re-respond or to respond to the next call. Uh, and so, you know, watching what's happening over there is absolutely essential because it just gives us some indicators of what we need to prepare for. Um, sadly, because this is not our first spike, this is not our first rodeo, as they'd say, over here, uh, I do have to speak American occasionally. That we've already, you know, been here and done that for a, a number of spikes now. But uh, we're talking about communication today, though, George. And uh, your organisation doesn't only support EMS. And, uh, and as we said before, we started recording. Sometimes in US EMS, we have to rely on inventing our own wheel. We have to just look inside to go. Well, how do we fix that? And there's a big wide world. There's a big wide world of industry. Um, you know, we haven't coined everything. So how are other industries coping? and communicating with each other from, from what you've seen from the organisations that you're supporting. Absolutely, Rob. I mean, as you mentioned, we, we work with uh, companies across a huge range of industries, really any organisation that has a predominantly frontline workforce. So, you know, as, as Ron said, workers who don't sit at a desk every day, who maybe aren't afforded company email addresses, they don't have a corporate device or laptop. And so really, how do you reach them and how do you communicate, engage with them? To, to make sure that they feel valued and they their work feels appreciated. And so not only are we in EMS and, and across the EMS space, but in in transport a lot, you know, we work with with Stagecoach over in the UK, about 25,000 bus drivers. And again, they were struggling for a way to to communicate with them and get information down with them, hear, hear feedback from them. So transport very much so, also healthcare. Um, one of our recent customers is, 
is a, a company called Alara Caring um, down in the South of America, about 30,000 caregivers. And again, no way of communicating with them, no way of, of signaling or of sending out shift notifications. So a lot of shifts were going miss, um, going amiss. And so really, as, as I said, trying to help any frontline centric organization to, to better, to better communicate. And I think, Given the the sort of breadth of industries that we work with, bringing in some of their learnings into in, into EMS and, and, and across other industries, as uh, as you said, I know I know that you very much like to to invent your own wheels, but I think we can, we brought some some valuable stuff, and I don't know, Ron would agree to sort of EMS organisations that we're working with. Just hang on before you come in there, Ron. I'm a recovering COO, right? So I've been there in the in that in that office that you're sitting in there, Ron. My IT director came in one day and said, "All oh, this email stuff you're sending out, you do realise that." 70% of it goes unopened. So if we're, if we're sending just emails out to folk to remind them, you know, we're going to send a reminder. Oh, yeah, that's the 12th reminder of the day. How does a mobile platform having your own phone work versus some other, you know, forms of sort of longer form communicate, longer form technical communication? I think, I think Rob, the, the key thing is, is that, you know, especially we see in, in, in EMS, especially is that the workforce is, is getting younger by, by the year. And there's, there's a, a lot of, a lot of young people coming into the workforce and, They've been, you know, Generation Z has been brought up on consumer-grade applications. Uh, they've grown up on, on Twitter, on, on, on Facebook, on Uber. And when when they're communicating, they expect to be communicated with in, in that sort of form factor. And so email feels pretty outdated to them and doesn't feel like like a way in which they're, they're used to communicating. And so I think transitioning that into into an app format that mirrors those experiences that they have outside of their work lives has, has made a, a big difference in, in helping them actually engage with with a platform versus having as you said loads of unread emails sat in, sat in your inbox clogging it up and so I think it's that form factor and giving giving it that feel that, that has, has, has changed um, the, the adoption. And, and there's a whole nother podcast, or indeed a second half of this podcast, to talk about how we communicate with the demographic that's currently sitting on the truck. And uh, I think you've uh, elegantly summed it up. I'm going to come to you for a response in a second, Ron. However, we're already halfway through the show. Can you believe that? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to a word from our sponsor, who may sound, this time, very familiar. Given the current workforce challenges, retention is now more important than ever. By ensuring that field staff feel appreciated, informed and listened to, Blink's All-in-One employee app is currently helping EMS providers across the nation to improve their retention rates significantly. With Blink, frontline employees are able to communicate with their managers, receive company updates and gain access to key systems like payroll and scheduling, all within an easy-to-use mobile app. If you're interested in finding out how Blink can help your organisation to improve employee retention and engagement, then please visit www.joinblink.com forward slash demo to learn more. This is George Monk from Blink. Thank you for listening. Normally, I thank you in absentia, George, for uh, doing that read, but you were actually live. So uh, thank you, mate. Good job. You are most welcome, Rob. Communicating with a younger generation, Ron, uh, I mean, George makes an excellent point. And so, you know, how have you found the methodology that you're using now to be, you know, how is it, how is it, how is its effectiveness working? Yeah, you both really summed it up. Uh, email has become a bit outdated. Um, the practicality of it uh, from a device isn't as practical as uh, the app um, in the ease of uh, the use, you know, whether it's group messaging, individual chat. Um, is really proven to be extremely powerful. 
in addition to that instant communication, I find um, the hub to be as, if not more valuable uh, as part of the platform. The hub is a place in which we populate forms, policy and procedure manuals, anything and everything the providers need uh, to be able to do their job. And having that, uh, that easily available, again, at their fingertips, uh, throughout the course of the day at a remote location uh, is, is second to none because uh, you wouldn't do that on an email platform. So we really try to make, you need to order a new uniform shirt because yours is uh, dated. That's okay. There's a uniform uh, replacement form on the hub. So we encourage them, go to the hub, go to the hub. Um, so that keeps them engaged on Blink as well. So, um, and then the ability to do uh, required acknowledgements. So we send messaging out. This one's important. We have a new policy related to personal protective equipment and state mandates. We want to know you read it. There is a required acknowledgement form or it's social. It's just me saying, hey, it's going to snow tomorrow. Uh, make sure you've you know, uh, follow all the rules that we, we ask you to do. That's more of a social uh, message and we just send it out and they can read it at their leisure. So uh, it's got a lot of different functionality that we've been very impressed with. Yes, uh, snow is a topical discussion this week. Uh, if you're in Virginia, perhaps them saying it's going to snow tomorrow would have been a good idea if you're about to hit the roads, but uh, we'll leave that one there. How is it being received, though, by the guys that are using, you know, the apps on the, on the truck, on their phones? So obviously, because it is a personal device, we couldn't mandate that they um, download uh, the app, uh, but more and more. So we did a really nice campaign. Uh, kudos to the folks at Blink to assist us in, in messaging out the deployment of Blink in our organization. So there was a lot of posters in the bases and QR codes to scan to get the app and so forth. So we really made it easy for the individuals and uh, it's been widely uh, accepted. I mean, the, I think probably 90%, 99% of our staff are absolutely on Blink and engaged on Blink. Um, so there's really good chatter throughout all the different forums, whether it's one-on-one or group messaging. It's been it's been very successful. George, across the whole platform, I mean, are, are we talking hundreds of thousands of uh, folks that are on, on board with you and, and using the services? Yeah, absolutely. So, we, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of, of individuals on the platform across the world. I mean, we... We have uh, our headquarters in, in the UK, in London, but, but an office out in, in New York and also down in Sydney in Australia. So we cover a really broad range of companies and a broad range of size of companies. I mean, we work with everyone from a small coffee shop in Melbourne with sort of five or six employees all the way up to 30,000 strong Ilara Caring that I mentioned earlier or, you know, Stagecoach, the bus drivers over in the UK. So a really wide range. Right, coffee shops in Melbourne, obviously selling uh, caffeine to tennis lovers, uh, minus one person that uh, possibly has or hasn't got in there. So uh, we like to keep the news topical here. So uh, thank you for uh, selling coffee to uh, folk in Melbourne, uh, Blink customers down under. So looking forward, Ron, you're communicating with staff. Um, You are sort of just taking it away from the application for a second. I mean, how are you retaining people? Because that's really is a key question right now in uh, in our industry. Well, communication is important, right? Um, To to engage them in uh, what we're doing as an organization to address the staffing issue, issue, which is really the biggest thing weighing on everyone. Uh, The demand is that much higher. George, you mentioned deploying military in Massachusetts. They've recently done that. About 500 National Guards people are out. 55 hospitals and 12 ambulance services have folks working on their ambulances or in the emergency rooms. Um, So that's helping. I mean, the biggest thing for us right now is to relieve the pressure. 
Uh, as you said, Rob, you know, the, the ED wait times are uh, impacting our turnaround time, which creates less availability for the next uh, call, whether it's emergent or non-emergent. So all of this uh, communicating to the workforce on all the efforts that we're doing to address that. We continue a, a very heavy recruitment effort. Um, here in Massachusetts, the state has afforded us a, an opportunity to utilize a waiver, which uh, traditional ambulance staffing in the BLS level, basic life support, consists of two emergency medical technicians. Right now, there's a waiver allowing us to staff those ambulances with one EMT, emergency medical technician, and one first responder. Um, so that is something that uh, is being utilized by many of the ambulance services here in the state. Uh, coupled with the National Guard folks, soldiers that are uh, trained at the first responder level. It affords us the ability to staff more ambulances, which, you know, again, relieves the pressure on the other um, individuals that are out there trying to do the calls with less resources. We want to keep, most importantly, patient care in mind. So it's all about delivering good patient care, timeliness, making sure that we're responsible with our municipalities on the response times, as well as the hospitals and nursing homes that expect a reasonable response for their patient that needs to be moved for an appointment or a procedure. Um, so there's a lot going on, uh, but all of what we're doing at the management level, uh, communicating that with the workforce, primarily through Blink, we do host base meetings and town hall meetings with them as well, really is appreciated. And that's where you get into the retention piece. They, they hear you. They know you're working on it, although it's stressful and strenuous right now. They know that there is at least something going on. And that's obviously through communication. Two things I want to come back on there, uh, emergency medical responders and town hall meetings, starting off with the, 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 you call them the first responder. Down in Virginia, they call them EMRs, emergency medical responder. In other words, these are people that have a small amount of first aid training that probably have done their EVOC, their emergency vehicle operator course. Is that the, the sort of methodology you're using just to get a person in the other seat or in the driver's seat? Yes. So uh, we, we are calling them uh, emergency first responders as well. Those individuals, we're looking at individuals that are either enrolled in our EMT program who have not yet finished or have not yet successfully passed the test to engage them as uh, emergency first responders, as well as um, individuals who are interested in becoming an EMT to engage them, train them, as you mentioned, 24 hours with the driving and so forth and then uh, putting them on the road as an emergency first responder while they take their EMT training. So, you know, it's it's a relatively short-lived position within six months. Hopefully that individual is now fully trained as an EMT, and we now recruit for another first responder that is doing a dual role, frontline first responder as well as uh, EMT training. I made a point of mentioning that because obviously we're looking for best practices right now in, in our practice that's an opportunity to earn while you learn. It's an opportunity, I think, sure. to invite people into the industry. In fact, I've just, I've just written an article to be published on the Richmond Ambulance Authority and their cadet program where very literally Monday, Wednesday and Friday, you are in the classroom doing your EMTB. Tuesday and Thursday, because you've done that EMR training, because you've done the, the CPR and you've done your EVOC, your emergency vehicle operator course, you're out there driving the BLS truck. And also, you're getting hands-on experience. You are doing patient handling and patient care. And it's probably a good program to not only for today, but also to entice people going forward. So I commend you for that. Town halls. I'm a great fan of the town hall, Ron. And uh, 
certainly over here in California, our California Rabbit Association, we have a town hall every month and it's the biggest, largest attended web event we have in the month. And so it's an opportunity to uh, to tell people face-to-face or these days face-to-screen um, what's going on. And so they're popular events for you too? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, very well attended. Uh, and really quick back to uh, what we were just discussing, I think, you know, with, with this pandemic and there are so many different um, initiatives being deployed because of the situation we're in, collecting data and measuring the success of these programs to the point of uh, what you just mentioned, Rob, EMRs doing a dual classroom as well as riding on the ambulance now that they've been trained at the EMR uh, level. Are they better EMTs in the long run because of that, because of the exposure they're getting riding on an ambulance while in a classroom training to be an EMT? I have to believe yes. So a lot of good opportunity, a lot of good, uh, you know, again, Blink, that's something that we would survey out to those individuals using Blink to say, how successful was that experience for you? What do you think worked? What do you think didn't work? So we can learn and, and improve the process so that we can just get the most out of the individuals. And I think my civilian ambulance life started back in the UK with the East Anglian Ambulance Service. And in order to get onto a frontline truck, you had to work the BLS, the non-emergency patient transport service first, because you did this one thing, which was learn to talk to people learn to communicate because actually the difference between a non-emergency patient transport and a 911 transport is they're invariably longer. You have to, and this, of course, now this is the days before people just looked at their phone from A to B, but you were required to engage the patient to uh, communicate with them. And it was a great opportunity just to learn how to do that because, you know, with respect to your younger generation, George, you elegantly made that point before, patient interaction relies on communication actually verbal communication, establishing eye contact, looking at them, uh, seeing what they are, how they're reacting to you. And so developing that sixth sense to understand what's wrong with them. And, and so I think that having that that exposure very, very early on, Ron, is no bad thing, right? No, absolutely. I think that's, yeah, it's going to make a difference for sure. You know, patient care requires us to eyeball the patient. And so that's certainly something yeah. that, 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 that is yeah. fantastic. And that's, um, that's a tough trait to learn uh, to teach uh, this younger generation, but they need to engage the patient. You're right. It's the only way you're going to deliver quality patient care is if you talk to them, if you look at them, and you engage them. That's another takeaway, of course. We have to be able to engage one-to-one, face-to-face with our patients in order to read them, in order to understand what they're saying to us, and in order to translate invariably back to technology because that's going to become part of the patient record. But uh, it starts with that, that, that human contact. When we're in the truck, when we're in the office, our office of two people on the street corner or just about to leave the station, remote communication is key. But to town halls, coming back to town halls, well attended, lots of interaction. How does it work for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we just try and more so now than ever with the pandemic, uh, trying to limit uh, large group gatherings and keep uh, social distancing. The technology with Zoom or, or GoToMeeting to be able to have that, uh, you know, communication or meeting still. Uh, yeah, very much appreciated and uh, very well attended. Uh, and we use it for really all aspects of our business, whether it's the ambulance side, our mobile health group uh, meets regularly. Uh, virtually and uh, again uh, very much appreciated by the workforce 
Um, you know, we're, we're, we're very spread out, 20 remote base locations throughout a service area. It's not easy to get in sometimes. You've got childcare conflicts and to be able to just from the comfort of your own home, attend that meeting and participate is, uh, very much appreciated. People are probably tiring of me saying this these days, but as I always say, communication is probably the first battle. Sometimes it's the last battle, but, uh, you know, you've got to get on with it and do it. And I think that uh, certainly over remote areas, this is an an absolute uh, essential uh, method and and indeed an essential system. If you're enjoying the show, remember that uh, you can follow the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Stitcher and Spotify. But please take a moment to rate the show on whatever platform you're listening so we get extra stars, we move up the searchability and, of course, then you can find us much easier on the platform in which you're listening. Uh, So we'd love your five-star rating. Thank you very much. George, obviously travel to the US has been a bit of a challenge uh, in the last year. Yeah, but uh, are you guys planning to come and see us at a conference sometime soon? Yeah, it sure has been a challenge, Robin, and certainly haven't been able to spend as much time as we would have liked to over in the US. But we will, I can confirm, be making some appearances at conferences this year. We are just in the midst of getting our sponsorship together for Pinnacle um, in, in Florida in, in the summer, and then also looking to come to the AAA trade show as well later on in the year. So very, very excited to to, to, what, to, to meet people in person, you know, I, my, my whole interaction with, with EMS has been virtual. And so I'm really looking forward to not only meeting the two of you, but, but all of our customer base and, and being there in, in, in the flesh. So, yeah, very excited for it. Excellent. You will discover that we're more than just heads and shoulders, George. That's the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, two, two great conferences. And uh, the uh, just to let you know that by the time this goes to air, I suspect the Pinnacle registration will be open. Uh, so give that a plug. Uh, AAA this year. So you're going to be live on stage at the Grand Old Opry because uh, AAA this year is in Nashville at the Gaylord, which is a fantastic venue. And so two great conferences to uh, come and meet us all and us actually for us to meet you and, and to interact. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll probably be a few spikes of the pandemic down the road by then and think of a Greek name to call it. I don't know. But uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you there. Ron, what's happening to, for you for you guys next? What are you up to now? Just keep on keeping on? Yep, really just trying to um, continue to address the staffing situation uh, continuing to communicate with our staff to protect them, uh, make sure, again, that they're vaccinated, they're boosted, they're wearing their PPE, um, just really just trying to weather the storm, if you will. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of volume to be had. There's a lot of ambulance services uh, challenged out there. We're working collaboratively with our other uh, private partners to see how we can do a better job working together, sharing resources. Although we're staunch competitors, we've got to understand that uh, given the given the environment we're in, we've got to figure out where there's some neutral ground. So it's a lot of uh, activity on the back end there here in Massachusetts. But uh, yep, keeping plenty busy. You make an excellent point, and of course, we both we both have AAA hats that we wear, and actually, staunch competitors is an interesting point because the collaboration that's occurred in the pandemic and the, the AAA just gave awards to the International Association of Fire Chiefs, the International Association of Firefighters, and uh, NAMT, National Association of EMTs, for the collaboration that's been going on all the way through the pandemic. And I say, long may it continue. So, of course, the collaboration, the cooperation, and realizing we're all in this together is really something that if you don't, if you haven't realized it already, then it's probably too late. So, kudos to you for doing that as well. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. We're uh, 
We're looking to build some technology that will uh, allow the dispatch centers to see available non-dedicated resources in a particular geography uh, that we can call upon one another. Everyone's holding their resources very close to the vest these days. But if I see an available resource and I can call on you to say, if you'll cover my call with that resource, my next available unit can help you cover the next call. Um, so we're confident that that's going to uh, alleviate, again, some of the stress on the system right now here in Massachusetts anyways. And just to do a bit of transatlantic translation for George's mates that are watching this, that uh, in the UK you have 11 or 12 regional NHS ambulance trusts or ambulance services. Out here in the US, I think there are about 14,900 registered EMS systems or agencies. And so, uh, and whilst the US is geographically bigger, um, we have a much more piecemeal, smaller set of EMS systems, unless you're in like LA or in New York, New York, etc. So the UK actually has bigger organisational ambulance systems, a bit like Australia as well, if you're listening from folk down in uh, down under. At your coffee shop in Melbourne, George, the UK and Australia has bigger organisational ambulance services than most of the US. Uh, and so we're very piecemeal. So therefore, that cooperation, that collaboration is absolutely a key activity right now. And so I think that's a, that's a point to make. And again, it comes back down to, you know, the, the first casualty, if you're not careful, communication. Uh, George, how can we follow you? How can we get in contact with you? How can we keep up with you? So uh, across all, all platforms, Rob. So I'm um, George Monk on, on LinkedIn and, and often like to keep up with whatever, whatever's going on within EMS. We're also Blink on, on LinkedIn, Blink um, over on the, the website, www.joinblink.com. And yeah, just looking for, for anyone who's looking to improve the way in which they communicate with their with their frontline, their field staff and and make sure that they, they feel appreciated and, and hopefully try and help them remain in the business for longer. Ron, two questions to you. One, how can we how can we get in contact with you? And then two, your final thought for those out there in the industry that are under pressure right now. What's your message to them right, right now today? Yeah, uh, as for the communication, uh, I'm available uh, on LinkedIn as well. Not the easiest last name, but it's R Caranto, Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-O at ChicagoAmbulance.com. But, uh, you know, keep your head up. Uh, you know, we're going to weather this storm. I tell our folks every day we've been in business for 44 years, although tomorrow looks challenging. We'll get through it. Um, we just got to work together. Good lines of communication. Um, you know, go with your uh, go with uh, your 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 gut. And uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, we've, we've been under some stressful situations, but we can weather the storm. It's, it hasn't been easy for anyone. Um, working with our partners on the outside to continue to communicate with them, the challenges that we're faced. Oftentimes when you, when you explain the situation, people are pretty understanding and they're willing to work with you. And uh, that's proven to be successful for us. So we continue the lines of communication, internal customers utilizing Blink, external customers through other methods of communication. And it's, and it's, been, it's been valuable. Superb. So you can follow me on Twitter at UKRobL1 or find me over on LinkedIn. Uh, look out for George and the team at the conferences that he talked about. If you have a comment, please don't forget to leave that uh, in the comments section uh, at the, the main article or the landing page at ems1.com. That's all for today. And so George and Ron, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Been an honor. An honour, an honour, and that's an honour with a U, right, as opposed to an honour without a U. So again, we are separated by a vowel here across the Atlantic. Uh, anyway, I've been Rob Lawrence, and until next time, bye for now.